change your cigar at once, see? Welcome everyone to another episode of Anyways Back to the Godfather. Pew pew pew. Halfway through 2023. Wow. Oh my gosh. Halfway through season three. Let's go. Well, we are very top heavy with announcements this episode, so bear with us. But reminders to submit your Going My Way reviews as soon as possible. We will be recording that sooner rather than later, so get those in. And it's time to announce the next film. Highly contested in my own brain whether or not to do this film. Had other ideas, but we're going with it. The film for June is Paddington 2. (laughs) The second one. The second one, not the first one. I don't believe that you need to watch the first one to appreciate the second one. So don't feel like you have to go out and watch both. You've seen both of them. Yeah. Yeah, you'd agree with that? Yeah. Like, the first one does a good job in setting things up, but the second one is more enjoyable. Uh, They're both pretty short, I think, so if you want to watch both, would recommend That's true. You could do a double feature, but for film club purposes, Paddington 2 is what we will be watching. Also, we are announcing the summer bonus film, so you have June, July, and August to watch this film. And we'll be invited to a roundtable, a discussion that will be recorded in September, which has just become infinitely not infinitely just a bit more difficult to plan (laughs) due to time differences that will be happening in september life changes but uh not impossible so if you're committed to roundtable discussion we are going to make it happen although maybe we could possibly discuss only giving you two months and recording it august but we'll let you know if that timetable is going to change the summer bonus film, as voted by our Kappa regimes, will be Departures. So it, it looks like it is free to watch on Tubi, but I'm sure it is probably available elsewhere. But yes, you have at least the next two months, probably the next three. We'll get back to you on the timing. Life has changed some things. We have one more announcement, as if that wasn't already enough information coming at you. We are doing or moving up our listener submitted playlist this is actually due to other circumstances before life events happened i don't know why i'm being so vague because everybody's everybody who's listening to this i've already told them yeah except for like our listeners in thailand but (laughs) (laughs) wait what (laughs) we'll just get like we'll get random listeners in different countries every now and then but (laughs) they enjoy this (laughs) you have this month to submit your songs Lauren and I will be listening to them for the month of July and then that episode will be coming out in August but so your musical prompts which we are telling you now and we will be posting on our Instagram story number one same as always current obsession number two is a song that is not in English and number three is a song to fit one of the following moods high on life a good ache or peaceful so again that's a lot of information coming at you look at our instagram you can also ask us we'll text you those prompts if you want them again but again for good time's sake we'll do it once more current obsession song not in english and song to fit one of the following moods high on life a good ache and peaceful so again you are just submitting three songs 
not five. But yes, okay. We can finally go ahead and enter the main topic of the episode, which is a continuation, part two, in defense of the Disney princess. So we have five new princesses to talk about. I'll go ahead and give you a reminder of our goals. We are not necessarily trying to completely change your mind or sway you one way or the other, but just asking you to pause and give a second consideration to princesses that you might have dismissed, just dumbed down or or bought into what society has simplified. We want to show that they are more than what uh, marketing and just kind of general knowledge has dumbed them down to be. And we do also recognize that there are valid caveats in making, you know, not putting the Disney princesses on too high of a pedestal. That again, they are created by primarily male animators and storyboarding artists. And I will say the princesses that we're starting to talk about now, that is shifting where there are going to be um, more involved females involved in the creation of these characters. Uh, We are going to start seeing different uh, racial depictions. However, that is still pretty limited and we'll get into that. Uh, And of course, we do have to say that this is a very, they sometimes represent a very strict standard of beauty, which can be pretty damaging as well. So there are some valid caveats, but we're going to trudge ahead. So of course, our next five, we're going to look at the historical background of them, look at some common complaints. Uh, we will then present our argument for in defense of them, what we learn from them, and provide our own takes on why we love these princesses. So go ahead and hop to 1992 for Princess Jasmine. So yes, we are setting the stage. We're in the continuation of the renaissance that was created by Ariel, continued by Belle. And I learned some kind of interesting things about the creation of the film Aladdin. Howard Ashman was actually very involved and wanted to really push the story forward. Obviously, he was not able to do so since he passed away right before Beauty and the Beast came out. Michael Eisner was actually against it for a while, but eventually the directors, Musker and Clements, were able to fight for Aladdin to come out. And the character of Jasmine is based on this character. My handwriting is very poor. <laughs> and it was a <laughs> difficult name. Badru Badu. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she is a character in the... 1001 Wire- Nights. Yes. That Aladdin actually does marry this girl, but there's like not that much written about her, so they've fleshed her out a bit. Some other fun facts. This is our very first princess of color, and even that is like a little bit asterisk because only she is portrayed by two different actresses or given voice by two different actresses, one for her speaking and one for her singing. And her speaking voice is definitely not a person of color, while her singing voice, she's Filipino, so... Not Middle Eastern, uh, but not white. So that's at least a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I like talking about representation. I think visually view we Jasmine is a step forward in expanding the world of Disney princesses. But of course, we do want to recognize that that in itself is still limited. Uh, talking about her voice and singing actors. Uh, Linda Larkin provided her speaking voice. She was largely unknown 
prior to this. Like she only did a couple of um, TV episodes and maybe a film, if I'm remembering correctly. She was actually there with a friend who was auditioning for Jasmine, but she heard the line, it's also magical and was like, oh, I want to audition for this. And so she did. And Katzenberg did not like her voice and he was over the Disney animation. And Clements and Musker really fought for her and she actually lowered her voice a little bit more and then Katzenberg was on board. Leah Salonga is the one who provided her singing voice. She has had a very um, successful run on Broadway and was in, she was the the lead in Miss Saigon and uh, that is where they discovered her and invited her to come work on Aladdin. So that is the history a basic overview. Now, looking into complaints, the princesses that we're going to be talking about don't have well, the best one. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I mean, we're definitely we're definitely partial to them because they are the ones that we grew up with primarily. However, uh they I don't think fall prey to some of the like societal I, I think their movies are a little bit more accessible and so they're not misremembered as easily as some of like the earlier princesses are where it's like you probably watched that once as a child and so most of your beliefs are founded in what society has misconstrued um but some complaints about jasmine she is kind of a background princess she kind of falls into that same camp as aurora where that her male counterpart has a lot more screen time, a lot more dialogue, and the, the film title is of the film. Yeah, and so Jasmine is a very interesting character because even like Aurora really is not in her film at all, but it's still called Sleeping Beauty, whereas Aladdin is the main character here, uh, and so she really is more of a background princess. People could see her as very spoiled, and of course there are these concerns of cultural like what is culturally appropriate and that is a whole thing within Aladdin itself of like how certain characters were depicted and what backlash came from that so yes some of those I think we can fight about and some of the like we can we can argue against and some of those will will tread delicately <laughs> because they're they've got some valid points to them but I've been doing a lot of talking so Lauren you you lead the charge in defending Princess Jasmine so some things to like about Jasmine, she's sassy. She loves animals. She doesn't just, like, she's not satisfied with just doing what people are telling her has to be done. Like, she is sick of all of the things that are being put upon her. And, like, you have to get married and you have to be the princess. You can't leave the palace walls. And so she just books it. Like, she leaves. Like, she's not just going to sit there and take it. She's trying to take her life into her own hands and yeah i love raja i love her relationship with raja and even the little birds that are in the cage that she's holding so nice i love those (laughs) she like she says the line i am not a prize to be won like she's not just a a trophy princess girl it kind of turns into that anyways like she becomes the object like what Aladdin is working for it, what Jafar ends up trying to control and use. Even her father's like trying to use her, um, making her live these laws that he has control over. But she's doing her best in her circumstances and falls in love. Yeah, and and I think um 
that phrase is uttered in a moment where she has not fallen in love with Aladdin. She is, well, she's fallen in love with Aladdin, but not Prince Ali. Like, Mm -hmm. for all that she knows at that point, like, Ali is just this, you know, selfish, stuck-up prince, just like every other, other one she's had to fend off. And by the end of the movie, she's still not a prize to be won. She is an active participant in her own life, or she... Like, there's literally that whole scene where she goes, I choose you, Aladdin. Like, she's the one making the choice instead of those choices being taken away from her, which is what was happening when all those men were trying to decide what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I love that she is outspoken and bold and self-assertive. Like, really, there's so much against her due to custom and gender and status. That is so incredibly brave like did she have any intention of coming back like i it feels like she's truly leaving forever when she um escapes at night i mean does it feel like she's gonna return but she just going out for like a chance at adventure or is she really like Mm -hmm. no i have been uh, you know uh, i have no future here this is i'm not going to be able to like be true to myself and so the only way out is to leave I feel like she was planning on never coming back, but she was woefully unprepared. She had nothing with her. <laughs> no, agreed. <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't uh, the most well thought out plan for sure. It's but... also interesting that like she just goes back and like I don't think her dad even knew she left and <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the only thing that came from her leaving the palace was meeting Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, getting a taste of, like, the outside world. and But I yeah. just think that's funny that her dad was totally oblivious. <laughs> I mean, the Sultan's oblivious for, like, yeah. 98% of that movie anyway. <laughs> that that takes a lot of courage to just be like, no, I'm, I'm going to leave this. I see no future here, and I have to be true to myself. I also think it's terrifying that she has so much pressure to be married in such little time that I don't falter for trying to escape that. Someone that she doesn't know at all. Yeah. But she is also so incredibly compassionate. Like, she frees all the birds! And it's it's this moment of, like, people shouldn't be confined to something that where they don't want to be. And exploring these ideas of freedom and where society has, has locked certain people away. Anyway. So, yeah. I... I feel like Jasmine, I've always really liked Aladdin. It's kind of one that always takes a back seat for me for some reason. But every time I'm reintroduced to it or I watch it again, I'm like, oh, such a good movie. I love these characters. I have worked with Jasmine quite a bit. And like Loki, she's one of my favorites now. And I feel like part of it is, oh, she just doesn't have as much screen time as some of these other princesses. Like, the movie is about Aladdin more than anything. She doesn't even have her own song, really. She It's a duet with Aladdin. Mm-hmm. But just being able to spend so much time with her and hearing her stories and hearing about how she is so compassionate and so courageous and so bold and very much her own person and not ashamed or afraid to be that way. I just love her. She is a champion and I'm a big fan. So... I feel like she is less of a background princess than what I used to believe. And definitely she does, just kind of going back to those earlier bullet points of complaints, like she does definitely have 
a very elevated lifestyle but that's like not her own fault you know what I mean hopefully in the future when (laughs) Aladdin is sultan and she's sultaness they can help distribute the wealth (laughs) and not have it be such an uh intense gap between the wealthy and the impoverished but Agrabah Agrabah politics is a is a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) I'm so excited for Aladdin to be in charge and he can help the other street rats (laughs) the pauper became a prince Jasmine thanks for teaching us to be brave and stand up for ourselves all right time for the hour-long discussion (laughs) This is where next. I sit up. <laughs> our 1995 princess, Pocahontas. This is really kind of getting into the height, maybe right before this eventual like downward slope. I don't know. It's hard to say that there's a downward slope in the Renaissance because all these films are perfection. But we're starting to enter the second half of the Renaissance. We'll say that feels less negative. They were actually in talks with creating Aladdin, another movie they really wanted to make was Swan Lake. And they were really like starting to double down and make a Swan Lake movie at this time. And then someone, a a creative lead, I forgot to write down who was really good research here on this podcast, only the (laughs) finest sourcing here. They, (laughs) I mean, give me a break. There's, there's a lot happening in my life right now. Um, (laughs) Sweats. They, Someone wanted to, like, do a story about the American West, and then there also was this story that was, like, really wanted to be Romeo and Juliet remade, and someone kind of looked around at all these similarities of, like, having a very strong romantic film that had Romeo and Juliet similarities, but then, like, basing it in America, not necessarily the American West. So this is where Pocahontas came to be. They were having Thanksgiving and someone saw a book about Pocahontas on their shelf and they were like, aha, this is what we're going to do. So yes, our um, this is another princess who has two voice actresses. Irene Bedard is the voice actress. She comes from Alaska. She is Inupiat. I really should have looked up how to pronounce these words. <laughs> um, anyway, she is Native American. Uh, obviously not from the Powhatan lineage on the completely other side of the United States in Alaska. But uh, I was looking up just fun facts about her and she, in an interview, said that she loved E.T. growing up. So oh, if there was even more reason. Gosh. <laughs> And then, of course, we have Judy Kuhn, who is her singing actress. And she, of course, had a great run on Broadway, was nominated for four Tonys, just an incredible singer and actress. So those are the two women who helped bring Pocahontas to life. I also want to note that this is our first America's princess. She's obviously not American since America, the United States, did not exist. But we have left europe and the middle east so that's great uh and people or a magazine somewhere has named her the strongest disney heroine so that's also very notable (gasps) agree so the main complaints that i could think of and research are just 
the inaccuracies and the complications of depicting Native Americans. But let's just go ahead and talk about why we love Pocahontas. So, Lauren. Buckle up. (laughs) So, yeah, she's not... It's just tricky when you're trying to portray a historical figure um, because everyone who watches the movie is going to think, oh, yeah, that's what Pocahontas was like. But you have to tell yourself that this is not real life. It's a cartoon. There's a talking tree. It's not real. The other thing that maybe I thought is a little problematic, she just falls in love with some random man. Of course, it's easy to fall in love with him, but... (laughs) I do want to point out, it's not love at first sight. She does, like, see him from afar, and she's very curious about him, gets very close, and just, like, watches him for a while. But then when he approaches her, like, she runs away, and she's not going to be close. Like, she's cautious. She's not just going to throw herself at him. But then it's not until the wind, which represents the spirit of her mother, possibly... coaxes her her to listen with her heart and then she gives him the time of day and she gets to know him and she becomes the only one from her people that's able to look past the differences of the two groups of people and then in that way is able to prevent a full-scale war in which many of her own people would have died and other people as well some of them would have died but so uh, this is why i think she's the best because she actually prevents people from dying I also appreciate that she doesn't just go with the flow, doesn't just fall for any pretty face like Coquam. Everyone else thinks he's hot, but she's like, look, he's not really the guy for me. Mm-hmm. I think she can sense like his tendency for violence. And because when I was rewatching a little bit, when he is like attacking John Smith, she kind of jumps on to try and help. He throws her off. She's very emotionally intelligent and that she can kind of feel, she can tell people's hearts from first glance i also like how she stands up to her father who is the leader of the tribe which also is kind of a big disney princess thing i'm mostly thinking of like ariel when you also jasmine yes jasmine ran away as we said oh yeah she wants to make her own decisions she doesn't just want to be given a destiny so she does fall in love pretty quickly which also can create maybe an unrealistic expectation of how love works. But this is the unique thing about her. She doesn't end up with the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Our first Disney princess to not... To not up. get married at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. She has the option of going with John Smith to England. He says, come with me. But she stops and looks around and says, I'm needed here. And mm-hmm. she chooses to stay behind with her people, with... The people that she knows needs her and it's not the uh, not the happy ending that all the other princesses have had and many do have in the future as well and i just that's my one of my biggest takeaways from this film is that sometimes relationships end whether they be romantic or just in general are you people friendship in life... breaking up with me right now <laughs> 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 Not the ah nah. <laughs> People in your life sometimes come and go, and you learn from them, and they serve a purpose in your life. But it doesn't always end in marriage or being together forever, right? I also love that their relationship did fulfill a purpose. Like it helped two groups of people see the good in each other, prevent 
death, prevent a war. And I tell myself that's why her mother in the wind convinced her to, or like orchestrated this relationship kind of so that it would protect her people. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> this is um, my favorite princess. I love her courage, her independence, her curiosity, her understanding. I, I love what you're saying about her being like very emotionally intelligent. I feel like she feels things very deeply and that is something that I can very much relate to and appreciate. But yeah, she's just like so inspiring. Such a, a courageous model when she's like so, so distraught and sad about what's happening at the end. When she's like so sad about John Smith, but then she's also cares so deeply for her people and there's just this impending war and or at least this like impending battle and she's so sad and then she like just has this resolve to like do everything she can to prevent it Mm -hmm. oh it's so good and i mean the music is alan Menken perfection so that only this is some of alan Menken's best work Mm -hmm. i think he did win an oscar for the soundtrack for this one yes as did uh colors of the wind i think one best song. best song she like you were saying she even cares about kokomon when kokomon dies she's devastated oh, even though she doesn't so, want to marry him so like, sad. she she just feels everything and i love that so i will say skimming the surface a bit of this it's problematic to take get your history from a disney animated film don't do that do not base your understanding of Jamestown, nor your understanding of the blanket term Native Americans off of Pocahontas, right? I think it's it's possible to enjoy it and also recognize the harm it potentially could do if not consumed appropriately. If people feel misrepresented or underrepresented or like every Native American is going to uh, behave in the exact same way. Now, with that said, I I don't have numbers for other characters, but I feel like it's not this many. 55 different animators worked on Pocahontas' design, the character. Like, usually and I feel she like... she is flawless. <laughs> usually I feel like it is less than 15, if that. Like, sometimes characters only have one person designing them. So to have 55 different people's input is very interesting. Um... Russell Means, who is the voice actor for Powhatan, except for when Jim Cummings sings for him. Uh, <laughs> he is actually a descendant or part of the Powhatan tribe, um, and he was a big part of kind of like a cultural representative. Now, obviously, um, he was very pleased with what happened and he had a lot of input. I think it's important. Like, that is that is a success and a win. I'm glad that they, like, actually had some cultural representatives involved in the production of this. I didn't know if they did or not, but it also was, like, that is a good thing. And also, they don't speak for everybody. Again, so it's just kind of this thing of, like, recognizing and enjoying Pocahontas without extrapolating it further than it needs to be. Oh, they also were talking about how it's such an important departure from how Disney has previously played or uh, represented Native represented Americans. Them. Like, when you look at Peter Pan... Ah! Um, so obviously there has been a lot of progress in uh, how respectful Native Americans have been represented. Pocahontas isn't unique in like it, it's just it rather it is a part of 
the larger systemic problems of representing Native Americans and how we understand Native Americans and how we, even the way I'm talking about it right now of like a conglomerate where history and people and cultures are vastly more rich and complicated and diverse than a 90 minute film could possibly depict. And it is just representative of this larger issue in media of relying more on myth than trying to present historical fact. And Pocahontas, the legend of Pocahontas, existed before Disney created a film about it, right? Like it is part of a larger issue surrounding the story of Pocahontas where John Smith is in real life is very icky and very gross and all the bad things of a 17th century man, white male, and has probably most likely fabricated this whole story to make him look real sexy. And uh, so... Is... <laughs> no, not in real life. <laughs> in the story, it worked. Um, so that is just the thing. I think we can enjoy Pocahontas without the way that Pocahontas is productive is getting us to talk about it and to be more inclined to do actual historical research rather than just get it from animated movies. So I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place. I really need to sit down and write a whole essay about this at some point because every time I start talking, I'm like, I don't even know what my thesis is right now. But all this to say is we recognize the film can be problematic when viewed as your only source material for history. There we go. There's my summation. So I would also like to say that Family Search told me Pocahontas is my direct great 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 whatever grandmother. <laughs> I know that's not real, but I was really happy about it. I'm so glad that that's how we're going to end this. Pocahontas, we love you. Thanks for being amazing. Mulan, 1998. Let's go. She is our last Renaissance princess. This film was created entirely in Florida. Fun fact, in Hollywood Studios. They they moved their animation department out here and Mulan and Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear made were all entirely created out here in Florida. Oh, and it's also interesting they did take a trip to China to research and prepare for this film. Uh, and Obviously, their source material was based off of the Ballad of Mulan. Here's some more fun facts. Did you know who they were considering to be the voice of Mushu before they settled on Mr. Eddie Murphy? Was it Robin Williams again? Richard Dreyfus was one option. <laughs> Joe Pesci. I know! Mushu as an Italian-American? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now, why were you saying Richard Dreyfus was you? I just don't think he'd be a good Mushu at all. Oh, okay. I was like, isn't he the main, isn't he Brody? Or... Yeah, he's the guy in Jaws. He's Hoopa, I think. And I think he's the, is he Hoopa? No, he's not the police guy. He's oh. he's Hoopa. Embarrassing. He's an American graffiti. Okay, okay. Um... He's in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 
he's a big Steven Spielberg choice for his films. Anyway, so that is more about the fun facts about the movie. We should really focus on the princess, who is, in fact, not a princess. She's like the only Disney princess to not actually be a princess because Pocahontas also really isn't a princess, but she is the daughter of the chief technicality. But Mulan, yeah, Mulan is not at all related to any semblance of royalty neither does she marry into it but she is too amazing not to be highlighted in the disney princess canon so the official disney princess canon her voice actresses are ming not when she voices mulan but she's also done things for marvel and star wars um so she continues to do a lot of work with disney and then, of course, Leah Salonga, who was Jasmine's singing actress, reprised her, well, I guess it's not really a reprise, looks it's not Jasmine, but came back and sang for Mulan. So complaints, really, I, this is, it's hard to come up with complaints against Mulan because she's like mm-hmm. universally just beloved. I'm sure there's, you could, there's going to be some complaints about inaccuracies of cultural depictions maybe a lack of femininity if that is something that is important for being a princess which i feel like is you know debatable arguable um that she's not a true princess but yeah i i don't really i can't really come up with and, and that's kind of the same thing for Pocahontas too of like maybe the one complaint we can find is about cultural depictions and that's not really something that is arguable <laughs> or defendable so I did say, again, she's doing these things that we love and we glorify her for them. But if my daughter were to run away to war, I'd be very upset. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want, I don't know. I wouldn't want my children to watch this and be like, wow, I can go join the army and save the world. You do have to, I don't know, you have to have that mentality People that change the world have to have that mentality, right? But it's It's, also real life. It's not a cartoon. So things are not always going to work out the best way. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And I would, I don't know if that is Mulan. Like that, that's not why she goes to war. She goes to war because she wants Wants to to save her father, save her father, but also like uphold family honor and like prove that she has worth not i'm gonna go save china you know right i think it evolves into that but i don't even know if that evolves into that as much as she wants to continually save the people that she loves because she forms a bond with her fellow warriors and also shang because she could have left she could have they abandoned her she could have gone home and not continue to risk life and limb but she was too involved at that point, right? Like she cared too deeply. So I I get what you're saying about like, do not emulate everything that a princess does. I think I'm more just saying like, look at the qualities and what we can learn. Like Jasmine was upset with her life and she took action. Mulan is like, loves people deeply and she takes action. So like how that can blend and involve and are like being infused into our life is kind of more what I'm going for. She's just like Michael Corleone. (laughs) Mulan is the godfather. (laughs) (laughs) She only gets involved because of her father and her family. Yeah. 
but I just think that's interesting that all of the princesses kind of break rules. Like that's even like Cinderella. She wasn't supposed to leave the house. She left the house. Which I love because like it is such a thing for women to be told to stay in the place and to something I've been thinking about recently is just like the idea of a Karen label because like true Karens are so, you know, they cross too many lines. They are like so entitled and they care so much about like very minor things and make such a big deal out of it. But then like, I think women who, it it just like puts us in another bubble of shame of like, we can't speak up for ourselves or like try to advocate for ourselves in like the risk of being called a Karen. And again, I think like there are certain women, especially like certain white women that are becoming belligerent and do need to be called out for their actions. But I also think like, it just starts to lean a little bit too close to this, like, mm, women, like, shouldn't speak up for themselves or shouldn't talk back or shouldn't, you know. So I, I love that these, like, these princesses at their core, like what you're saying, are told to, they, they are a representation for girls to, if you if you have a belief, if you have an understanding and you want to be true to yourself, like, that is important. And you do that. And look at these girls who we celebrate. They're the ones who did that. And so, like don't be shamed into something lesser just because you're a girl yeah no i think that's a good point i other things i wrote down for mulan things that we i've learned from her sacrifice she really gives up so much for what she loves determination like that's another thing mulan was dismissed from training camp she could have gone home then but she was like so committed to seeing it through she wanted to prove her own worth to herself and i love that moment in the mountains when like mushu's trying to cheer her up and she just like has this like realization and this coming into herself of like what does she really who who does she want to prove herself to in reality and Man, that like that whole scene is so relatable to me. I feel like I have had so many of those moments. She is so strong and powerful in this really this force for girl power, but like it's all so rooted in love and mm-hmm. and I think that only makes her stronger, you know. She is my favorite Disney princess. Look at our princesses back to back, Pocahontas and Mulan. I I feel like Everyone knows what's amazing about Mulan. She's just so, so cool. Girl power in the best way. Yeah. And vulnerable girl power, right? Like, yeah. I feel like sometimes with more modern representation of female power or girl power, it can be so unbreakable and so invulnerable. And so, mm-hmm. like, I, I love that Mulan feels out of place and has she's definitely not perfect like she makes she's clumsy she makes a lot of mistakes very insecure at times too and she has like a lot she has to put in a lot of work to really improve herself she's not just like naturally amazing she's not naturally like strong or anything like that like make a man out of you that whole sequence of her working hard like such a great princess because she has weaknesses and I think saying that too like makes me think about the other princesses that we've talked about and like why a lot of people complain about them but just because you have weaknesses or flaws doesn't mean you're not a great character not a great role model so anyway that's the whole point of these (laughs) 
beautiful. I just think it was very refreshing growing up to have this movie to watch and be like, wow, look at that girl going and beating up all these guys and just saving the world. I don't think there were a lot of other movies that were like that. Yeah. When we played. And Mulan like, is such a masterpiece in the way of how they come back and they make feminine things powerful right like mm-hmm. Mulan is this amazing soldier and she's the smartest one and she figures out how to trigger the avalanche and she saves everybody but then they find out she's a woman and they um they abandon her right and she has the courage and the love and the forgiveness to come back and rescue everyone else and to say and to help warn them and then in the end, it's all these feminine things that were originally just like so looked down upon, even by Mulan in some ways. Those are the things that save everyone because they disguise themselves as women, but they use their sashes to climb up the poles and then looks like you're out of ideas and she has her fan. Like, oh, it's so good. What doesn't defeat Shan Yu is another sword necessarily. It's the fan that provides that ability to defeat him. It's just like, mm, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> It is so good. Because I think sometimes it's like, oh, like Mulan is only strong because she's like doing this, these very traditionally unfeminine things. But then in the end, it's like still her femininity that is an important part of right. how she's able to triumph. Um, If you have nothing else to say, it is time for our sponsor story. This episode is sponsored by character interactions at disney land or disney world and our very first one together was really judy hops and nick wilde because that was our first disney trip oh my gosh um and i was really hesitant i was almost like because that's never been something that i do is to meet the characters i would like go and i have pictures with like jesse or Mrs. Incredible when I was a kid, but I was always a little bit nervous about them because they're a little bit spooky sometimes. And <laughs> I'm just so introverted. It's like, I don't really want to talk to people if I don't have to. So we're just going to let... And like, I didn't want to wait in line for it. Anyways, when we were going into California Adventure, there was a line for Nick Wilde and Judy Hopps. And Rachel was like, let's get in line. And I was like, no, like, let's go get our fast passes. Like, we, I don't want to meet them. And she was like, no, we're going to meet them. Well, and this was also because... I really wanted to meet them on another trip to Disneyland and they closed the line. Like I literally, I saw them in one family and then they closed the line on me. So I was like, I want to meet them so bad. So then we met them and they were very nice. We talked to them about Mr. Big because we had already fallen in love with the Godfather at this point. (laughs) Um, And they said Mr. Big was in jail. Well, and it was like the beginning of me misreading character animations. (laughs) Which happens quite often, but <laughs> there was this is a side note, but there was one time someone was wearing some um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's merchandise, and I only know that because of Biz and the ones that she owns. But it has like a big ox, a bull. I don't know what kind of animal it is. You know what I'm talking about, though. The like design. I don't know Okay. It just has like a, a head of like an ox on it and this guy was wearing it or like a bull and mickey was like pointing at it and i really was like trying so hard to help mickey and i was like 
Because he's wearing his cape now, so he's like, Oh, are you gonna, like, wave your cape? Like, it's a bull? Like, a bull's charging? And Mickey just, like, stared at me. And I was like, okay, that wasn't right. I'm so sorry, Mickey. <laughs> like, he's like, what? I was like, Mickey, where's the yes and going on here? Like, we just gotta roll. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I remember we were like, where's Mr. B We've been talking in line of like, what are we going to ask him? And I was like, let's ask, or you said like, let's ask them about Mr. Big. And in my head, I just was like, so sure that they were going to talk about the skunk butt rug. And so we were asking them and Nick Wilde like put his hands behind his back. And I was like, oh my gosh, did you give him another rug? Like I was so set <laughs> on that. And Lauren was like, no, he's being arrested. And I was like, oh, you're so right, and I'm so embarrassed I couldn't figure it out, but I still have lingering embarrassment from that. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you're totally right, though, but I just am... That was the very first time. So shook. We've come so far. Look at us, we're and little so, babies. Yeah. That was the beginning, and then we have met many, many characters since then. Including universal characters like Squidward. <laughs> Doc Brown. I was trying to say Doc Hudson. <laughs> that is the dream character <laughs> being great. We also uh, met Dr. Facilier on that trip and oh, old Woody. <laughs> oh, Spooky Woody! Spooky Woody was very special because he was just huge. <laughs> like seven feet tall. And he did some dancing for us. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, because we had watched him. You showed him your ticket. He's <laughs> so cute. Ah! Anyways, now wow, so Rachel really got converted, derailed. Me, converted <gasps> me to meeting characters. So pleased. Although, I still didn't do it with my family when I was with them and mm -hmm. Disney. But we did take my mom to meet a few people. Yeah, it's been she... no, didn't you go meet Frozo with Andrew? Oh yeah, but it was, it's because it was still kind of post-covid so like he was just yeah. on a stage and we, like, that but that's not you can't control that took a picture with him thank you character interactions wow i'm still so shook about that fun fact about our lives <laughs> such a good sponsor story all right we are now jumping forward in time 11 years 11 years wow 37 to 50 that's a pretty big gap as is 59 to 89 those are the oh, other a long time. big jumps in between princess films but 2009 princess and the frog tiana my my first book <laughs> my best friend <laughs> we have the return of musker and clements directing and this is also a return to traditional animation the last fully animated feature mm -hmm. in the original traditional animation Rest in peace. It was supposed to be Home on the Range, and then Musker and Clements fought for them to do one more. Um, They're like, is... we can't end on this. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the uh, right around the time with the merger of Pixar. Pixar apparently was working on a New Orleans ghost story film, and then they kind of were like, we want to do an American fairy tale, and we got a fairy tale, fairy tale. <laughs> An American fairy tale and New Orleans sounds interesting, and they kind of went with that. But according to my sources, it was because of this Pixar movie that never actually fully came to fruition. But of course, the Princess and the Frog American originally? The Fragi Pruto. The Fragi Pruto. 
Russian. It's it's a Russian fairy tale, according to Mr. Google. So, of course, Tiana is voiced by Anika Noni Rose. She is also famous in Dreamgirls. She's Tony nominated. Um, and she continues to do a lot of work for Tiana as well, with Tiana, as do a lot of these other uh, voice actresses I've neglected to mention that, like, uh, Linda Larkin has come back to do the sequels, as has Irene uh, Bedard, and Judy Kuhn also came back to do the sequel. Anyway, but yes, I believe Anika is very involved in, like, the creation of the Tiana TV show that we're supposed to be getting soon, as well as lending her voice to the upcoming Splash Mountain re-theme. It's very exciting. Kind of hard to find complaints about Tiana as well. I think some might argue that she relies too much on, like, this hard work ethic and is there's, like, less of a... I don't know that she's, like, maybe more of a boring princess but don't like that whenever people are like i don't like tiana i'm like well you suck <laughs> but You're the worst. i think uh, probably the most valid complaint against her is that she just spends most of the movie as a frog when she you know is such an interesting dynamic character as a human already and it's hard to see her as a frog only but yeah so now let's just talk about what we love about tiana well i want to say yeah my biggest problem I don't have a problem with her, but <laughs> you suck. <laughs> <laughs> she she's just living this unsustainable lifestyle. Like it just drives me crazy that she walks in for her night job, lays on the bed, and then wakes up, puts on her clothes. She sleeps one second. Like you can't glorify that style of not taking care of yourself. And I mean that's the point is that she learns to live her life and slow down and find the things that matter, but it just just makes me sick. Like, yeah. I feel so sick inside imagining not sleeping like that. Totally. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it, like, glorifies it necessarily. But, yeah, it sets up one of Tiana's flaws, which is, like, an over-reliance or just, like, a belief in working being the only thing that matters. Like, being the only thing that can bring about happiness or good. Working towards that work-life balance. So, yes, things we love about Tiana her belief in dreams and hard work uh she really bases a lot of her life on that which for me is admirable and something i have kind of emulated worked to emulate um but she also can be really vulnerable um kind and deeply sincere which are really cool traits and i think something that i don't know sometimes isn't maybe is seen in the other prince i don't know she does have, like, really intense transformations, not the physical ones, but just this, like, kind of life-altering point where she was so completely set on her restaurant and then is able to expose herself to different ideas or understandings and adapt to that and recognize where she does have flaws and work to change those as well. And she's also able to recognize... Like, good and bad. Like, she's offered the restaurant and offered everything she's ever wanted, but she doesn't just say, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> she, like, she's able to put that aside, and she recognizes that that's not the way to get it, and, and that's not just the only thing that she ever thinks about or cares about. Obviously, strong commitment to family and friends. She has a, a great friendship with Lottie. She's so fun, too. 
Well, I just, I think like so much of her life, somewhat by choice, somewhat by circumstance, behaves in a way, but then is seen in a way of like, oh, this is who she is. And she can't break out of that mold. And then once she's given that opportunity to like loosen up and to dance and to find happiness. And that is a really cool thing to be depicted. One thing, like I love the spiritual also connection with like, she only believes in work, 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 right? And Lottie only believes in wishing and hoping and praying. But it's when those two come together that things actually happen. So like when Tiana learns to accompany her work with like she's never gonna get to where she needs to be just by working Mm. and I think that's in our lives like sometimes we think I can fix it I'll just work I'll just do harder I'll just be better but you just sometimes have to realize I can't do everything like I I need help and I think that's something too where like and obviously the whole digging deeper what you want versus what you need and finding a balance between those things as well so Tiana is so courageous and kind and shows that it's never too late to adapt and grow and change your your outlook on life, but also that like you have it within yourself to change those circumstances as well. It's easy to look at Tiana's story and be like, oh man, all she does is work hard. Even Dr. Facilier, when Annie and Deb and I met him, work hard, work hard, like it's easy to mock her for that, but like that is such an incredible strength that she has and mm-hmm. something that is inspirational as well. Of You have the power in, inside of you as well. We are only jumping one year forward in time to Tangled. Obviously, this is our girl Rapunzel. Now, this was wild. I did not know this. Originally, Tangled was a very different concept. So it was going to be a girl and a boy in modern day who then are somehow transported into a fairy tale where they become Rapunzel and the prince, who are then transformed into a squirrel and a dog? What? Like, famously, you and I are not the biggest fans of Tangled, but, like, it could have been so much worse. Like, what the (laughs) They finally restarted it when the new director became attached, Byron Howard, who worked on Bolt. Anyway. I just was like, that was so random. It, they also had oh. Kristen Chenoweth was attached to it originally as oh, wow. the voice of Rapunzel. So also Reese Witherspoon was in up for discussion as well. Anyway, very, very different. The actress who lends her voice to Rapunzel is Mandy Moore. She is uh, was a singer for a while. Then she did a lot of acting. She was also in The Princess Diaries, which I was unaware of. Rapunzel complaints against her. Her voice can be kind of grating. She maybe feels a little bit simple or a little bit like, I don't know, just like less less complicated, less dynamic. Truly for me, the biggest complaint that I have is I feel that she's incredibly overhyped, that she gets like a lot. I, I more have issues with the movie. Over time, I have grown to appreciate Rapunzel more, but... Yeah, I feel like it just got such a large reception that I just didn't really understand. And that was kind of irritating. (laughs) (laughs) Just hate how she says, Eugene. (laughs) The emphasis on the wrong syllable. (laughs) Like, what? who told her to do that? Did she just decide that's how you pronounce it? I suppose so, because Flynn Rider himself introduces, or I guess I should say, 
Eugene Fitzherbert introduces himself as Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. No, Eugene. Not Eugene. 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 Yeah. Did I mispronounce it? What have we? Yeah, you said Eugene. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't hear anything different now. It's, oh, that's a weird name. <laughs> what a weird name. Seems to be like a little too perfect, like too sweet and nice and. I don't know. I don't like this use of the frying pan. I think that's... Maybe I just have a bad attitude about it because that's been happening a lot in Fast and the Furious. Mia, who's like Dom's little sister, she always somehow uses a frying pan to hit people. Oh, okay, (laughs) okay. This has been used before. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, maybe like overly naive? Yeah, just kind of annoying for that reason. Like she's just... When it first came out, I really did like the movie. When I sat in the theater, I like cried and everything. But yeah, it just got so overhyped. Mm-hmm. That was everybody's favorite movie for the longest time. They yeah. always wanted to watch it for like the uh, the end of the year movie. And yeah, everyone was like, Rapunzel's my favorite princess. Mm-hmm. And I was like, have you forgotten your roots? Your childhood? <laughs> and maybe it was like we had these very new and different princesses all throughout the renaissance and rapunzel maybe felt like a little bit of a return to like more of the classic princess model um which again we've talked about that that's not necessarily a bad thing but maybe it just felt like it wasn't new but enough complaints let's leap to rapunzel's defense so i will be the I mean, as I said before, I really think I have more issues with the movie rather than the character because I love the TV show. Like, I found Rapunzel in the TV series to be a much more likable character, a much more interesting dynamic main character than how she is in the film. Also, getting to attend her, I have, like, grown to love her so much more than I ever have before. Um, She's so artistic, so creative. She is always in pursuit of self-improvement, which is something that I absolutely admire. Like, her morning routine is off the charts. Man, if I could get so much done in 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes of my day, whew, I'd love it. She does have this very bright and intense hope and curiosity and this vision of goodness where like, she is naive because like that is her life. She's been locked away from the world for her entire life and manipulated and and emotionally and verbally in some you know some cases abused and yet when she is faced with like kind of her worst fears in some ways that have been instilled in her of like ruffians and thugs she still manages to like see the good in them and help them unlock like i don't know she just has this like such a strong belief in in dreams and I, I just think it's like, again, I like I have to reference the film, um, which I don't super, super love. But yeah, just this, she's faced with her worst fear and like she's able to work through that and find the good in it. And that maybe is simplistic or naive. Um, she's definitely not like my absolute favorite choice for a princess, but I think she has, I don't know, I just this this light and brightness and hope that is inspiring. And innocence, too. I feel like, I mean, it's interesting that she has been a victim of this abuse and trauma, but she's still, like, so happy and bright, and maybe that's what you were saying. 
Yeah, very much herself. No, yeah, I love that. She isn't, she doesn't let that crash her and she doesn't take it out on other people either. She hasn't been, I don't want to say she hasn't been corrupted just because I'm like pe- victims of abuse. Trauma doesn't corrupt you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But she's resilient in that way. Yeah, resilient is a good a way of putting it. And even like when Maximus comes and presents such a danger, it is like a scary horse in some ways. She manages to like coax the good out of him, you know? So it is fun to see. I feel like the other princesses don't really have like as strong of hobbies as Rapunzel mm-hmm. does. And it is this fun exploration of what do you like to do at a, on an amateur level and just for the fun of it and express it, like delighting in that and expressing that. So I feel like for the general public, people don't need Rapunzel to be defended so it's kind of this interesting thing where I'm like we have to defend Rapunzel against ourselves and and I think like I actually have come quite a far ways with appreciating her and loving her and really that I feel like I chalk that up mostly to the tv show like that tv show is so much better than the film (laughs) so I'm still not gonna watch it (laughs) that's fine I'm not saying you have to I just think like it's unfortunate I bring it up because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not the characters, maybe. It's like maybe the, just the plot or just the way that the, the movie was done. Like, it has potential to be great. So it's unfortunate the film wasn't better. But but yeah, there's Rapunzel. Is she still voiced by Mandy Moore in the TV show? She is, but somehow it's like less annoying. <laughs> like, I feel like in the movie, she is so breathy and like so maybe just like borderline whiny. Yeah. Because, like, her main goal is to see the lanterns, right? Like, that is her purpose in life. And in the TV show, I just feel like she has a lot more nuanced um, motivation. And there's a lot more that she is in pursuit of. And so she feels a lot more vocally grounded. And I don't know if that's just, like, Mandy Moore getting more practice in voice acting. Or if it's just, like, character is in a different spot. She's, like, in... A safe place she has both of her parents um it definitely like it's still mandy moore and so if you like really hate her voice it's not gonna be a vast improvement but it bothered me less anyway i also don't like when her hair gets cut oh well that's not really her choice true but that's just my other i I like (laughs) her blonde long hair yes no uh, yeah i i prefer it too although i'm sure you've seen all the the things about how Mother Gothel will only kiss her hair or touch her hair like she really mm-hmm. is. And then like Flynn, Eugene, rejects it and like is so willing to cut it off because he's not enamored with her powers. He's he like is in love with her. So mm-hmm. um, cute. cute. <laughs> yes. And again, uh, it is the I remind ourselves of our own goals of we don't have to completely change our opinion, but just give her a second consideration. So do you feel like we've appropriately done that? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm satisfied and we can hold out these five princesses. Hopefully we've given you some food for thought or that you've been able to think about them differently or be inspired in a new way. And let us know your thoughts. If you have any you'd like to share. We are, we only have one more part left to do our disney princesses so running out (laughs) so we'll have to find a new lecture series (laughs) (laughs) but uh until then 
be sure to watch Paddington 2 to submit your songs and yeah watch departures watch departures and also feel free to watch any others on the list just because it wasn't picked doesn't mean that you can't ever watch them so yay disney princesses you took the words right out of my mouth pg <laughs> i'm glad that those are the words i took out of your mouth <laughs> yay disney princesses